Zach, you can sing. <laughs> I know you were supposed to. <laughs> Literally the wind up. I was like, <gasps> I don't know what it is. <laughs> Every week, the minute we sit down to record, it just forever young. <laughs> I wanna be forever young. It has to be the Jay Z version. Why are you singing forever young? Forget not when, forget not why. But I'm still here for now. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. I don't. I don't think that's in the. I think it is. No, All I mean right, the uh, bye-bye. I'm gonna, can I go? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the forever, forever young, <laughs> sometimes hip, and perpetually lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Often over drinks. <laughs> Lent, Lent is, is over. over. And he is risen. <laughs> and, and so are our glasses. <laughs> yep. I'm Ashley McKinless, joined by Ogle Segura and Zach Davis. So, uh, Zach, what's on tap today? So today, in honor of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, he turned 90 this weekend. Yeah. On Easter. On Easter. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And on Monday, he celebrated with a Bavarian beer. And so we are drinking Franciscaner Weiss beer. In honor of him. So we hope wherever you are, you are also able to enjoy a beverage. Unless Raise you're listening to us on your commute or something, in which case, Wait don't. 30 minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to Pope Benedict. Cheers. Prost. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and later in the show, we will be talking to Andy Otto, author of the new book, God Moments. And we will also be bringing you our Consolations and Desolations, where we tell you where we found God this week or didn't find God. But first, it's time for Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. I'm really hoping for eventually some like spiffy like news minute yes. music in this <laughs> dun, segment. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just us doing that. <laughs> All right. First up, um, Sunday was Easter and Pope Francis had his annual Urbi et Orbi, which means city and world. So this is a message meant not only for Catholics, but the entire world. Um, and I really like this year's message. It it called out by name a lot of places in the world where there is violence and suffering. He talked about Syria and Ukraine, um, Yemen. Uh, and he used this metaphor or description of Christ as the risen shepherd. So we usually hear about the risen Christ or the risen Lord and the Good Shepherd, but he talked about the risen, risen Shepherd um, as the one who tirelessly seeks us, his brothers and sisters, wandering in the deserts of the world. With the marks of his passion, the wounds of his merciful love, he draws us to follow him on his way, the way of life. Today, too, he places upon his shoulders so many of our brothers and sisters crushed by evil in all of its varied forms. So I thought that was nice, like picturing God as the risen shepherd today, um, taking on the burdens of a very burdened world. Yeah. There's that, it reminds me of that great picture of Francis where he has the lamb draped over him. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. yeah. And he's smiling, right? And the good shepherd smiles, carrying all of us. Uh, next up, Wednesday was a mixed bag for Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. Um, in the morning, he was at the Vatican, and um, every Wednesday, Pope Francis has his general audience, uh, and po- uh, Bill O'Reilly, the 
famed Catholic Fox News anchor, or pundit, I think is more accurate, uh, was in the VIP section. So that's where Pope Francis comes down after his homily and shakes people's hands. So Bill O'Reilly got his picture shaking hands with the Pope. So that must have been a highlight of the day. People are running <laughs> headlines right now with Bill O'Reilly met with Pope Francis. He yeah. shook his hand. Yeah. A ton of people shake Pope Francis's hand. Even I, one time, gave him a high five as he drove by in the Pope Mobile. (laughs) In case you're wondering, he has very soft hands. My first thought was that, no, it kind of feels like my grandpa's hand. Um, And every time this happens, the Vatican has to release a statement reminding secular audiences that Pope Francis doesn't know the hundreds of people who... Especially when later in the day, Bill O'Reilly is fired from Fox for sexual harassment allegations, which yes. he was. <laughs> yep, he will, not, sure he, he will not return. Yes, he will not return. He was not fired. Um, Go on vacation and then so, never come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he will get paid out yes. a ton of money, which I'm is... Sure he will. I don't know how to feel about that. Is this justice? Perhaps not. Yeah. Certainly not for the women who have been hurt by this. Certainly not. Next up, uh, recently unearthed internal documents from the police service of Northern Ireland um, show a list of words that police shouldn't use when they're addressing different religious and minority groups. Um, So certain words are considered off limits. So we now know the terms for Catholics, as well as like Protestants and old people that the police were encouraged not to use um and as a irish catholic i'm just gonna go ahead and say them (laughs) (laughs) so you can't say chuck chucky tag tim mick mickey patty free stater and strangely enough sponger 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 Sponger. all right (laughs) are you allowed to say that zach (laughs) i So we we asked for some help here Mm -hmm. um our adult supervisor carrie weber is married to an Irishman. Her mother is Irish. So she reached out to her mom and she texted back and said, I've heard it a lot as a term for people who mooch off others. No religious connection for me. So perhaps there's an implication that Catholics were a drain on the system. I don't mm-hmm. that, Yeah. Okay. Well, see, what I want to know is why people aren't more creative about how they insult us today. Like, I don't, I don't know any Catholic insults that are... Yeah. Still used, and we the, must be doing something wrong if we're not pissing anyone off. No, you get you still get things like papist or oh papist, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, Jesuitical. Or, 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 or yes, <laughs> right. The right. name of our show. Yeah, if you Google Jesuitical, you will still have. Uh, Hopefully, us first, but then some insults. <laughs> yeah. So there is a story in the L.A. Times that was headlined conservative opposition to pope francis spurs talk of a schism in the catholic church that sounds serious indeed however the reason we brought this to the table is because this sort of is representative of a failure to understand what it means to be catholic in secular media often Mm -hmm. because schism means a very serious thing in terms of catholicism right there's been two (laughs) well there's been two great ones (laughs) right However, I mean, in the history, there have been many, but it specifically means, you know, separating yourself from the church community. This article is talking about uh, people within the church who have struggled with certain teachings that have been put forward by this papacy. That doesn't necessarily equate with schism, right? Like, in Mm -hmm. fact, they're doing the very opposite of schism. They're staying within the church structures and advocating for this or, or that. Specifically, the big thing is 
Pope Francis's conversation around the church's ban on divorced and civilly remarried people taking communion. Right. And this was in, they're specifically referring to his comments in The Joy of Love, correct? In a, in chapter eight, in a footnote, mostly. Right. And there are plenty of Catholics who don't necessarily love and agree and endorse everything that ever happens at the Vatican, right? Right. And so this is a very real issue. And sometimes I hear people ask like, well, why don't you just leave? Yeah. You know, why don't you just leave this organization? And that's not at all how faith works and how like a sacramental relationship to a community works, right? You know, you could you don't just like revoke your membership the way you would to like the Republican or the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. It, it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be complicated. And there are many things that you're not going to see eye to eye with a f- fellow Catholic or just within your own faith. But that doesn't mean you leave. You know, you just engage in dialogue, which is what Pope Francis is doing. You know, right. Someone described my college parish as a place where, you know, it's like a family where everyone fights back and forth, but everyone comes home for dinner. Which is like every yeah. single family and every human institution. And we, yeah. ju- we just happen to be living in an age where like everyone is being deinstitutionalized. Like we're, we're not identifying with party. We're not identifying with a specific ideology. So like why identify with a specific religious institution where you can pick and choose the parts that you like of all of them? <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, no, I think or I think we would all agree that there is value in sticking with a group of people that you were born into and and you know love despite their flaws Mm -hmm. so the jesuit peter fullen wrote an article for america called can catholics dissent from pope francis's teaching on the family which will be in our show notes which will be in our show notes which are on our website and he says that's the wrong question because he makes the distinction between um so when the magisterium releases something like the joy of love morris letizia um it's instruction but you can do instruction as teaching um or instruction as commanding um and he's saying that morris letizia is instruction as teaching um And Pope Francis specifically says that the greatest benefit will come if each part is read patiently and carefully. So it's he's encouraging you to dig into it yourself and think about it. He's not he's not hitting you over the head with a rule that he thinks needs to be enforced right now. So Mm -hmm. and in fact, that's what he asked for in the synod, right? He asked the synod fathers to have a healthy, thorough, comprehensive dialogue about it. A discernment. It sounds Mm -hmm. Ignatian. More coming. We'll be talking about that later. <laughs> okay. What's our next story, Olga? So recently the state of Arkansas made some news. Um, their supply of the sedative drug that is used in executions was set to expire. So they decided that they were going to execute seven men in 10 days. Um, U.S. District Christine Baker granted a preliminary injunction that sort of stopped um, these executions from happening. But... You know, the government is still looking to continue with these, whether I believe five are scheduled for this Thursday, to use the expiration of this drug as a reason to sort of to kill these men is just unbelievably cruel. You yeah. Know? Inhumane. And there's been a bit of a Twitter scuffle going on. Yes? Right, right. Sister Helen Prejean has been extremely um proactive on twitter she's been is she, is she subtweeting the governor of arkansas no 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 <laughs> she is directly tagging him oh, in snap. a bunch of messages um she is one of the leading voices against the death penalty so she's been very very vocal online and we have some of her tweets here so on easter she 
said, my Easter message for Governor Hutchinson would be, Jesus was a convicted criminal executed by the state. That's why I don't understand how Governor Hutchinson can call himself a pro-life Christian while planning to kill eight people in 11 days. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> fire emoji, fire emoji, <laughs> fire emoji. Uh, another, another tweet. Some say I'm, quote-unquote, trolling Arkansas officials. The way I see it, I'm just pointing out their contradictions and exposing their missteps. <laughs> Fire. Nice. <laughs> so thank you to Sister Helen Prejean. Another pros to her for doing the dirty work of stopping. She not only trolls people on Twitter, but she stands with inmates who are on death row and actively advocates to save their lives. So prost to you, Helen Prejean. Prost. So our next story comes from Kansas. The Catholic College, Benedictine, has recently... Uh, renamed all of its yoga classes to be uh, life fitness classes, citing concerns about the potential for Eastern mysticism. Do you know a single person who practices yoga that is steeped in Eastern mysticism? Actually takes up the beliefs of like bodhisattvas or whatever. See, my favorite part about this story was that it puts the president of Benedictine College on the same side as like the very progressive students at colleges like the University of Ottawa who had the yoga program shut down at their college because it what they said it was cultural, cultural appropriation, appropriation which is <laughs> yeah it's that's fascinating yeah but you know i've been to seders i've been to bat mitzvahs my sister just told a really Great story about going to an Eid celebration um, and learning about that religious tradition. So I think you can engage with other traditions um, and even benefit from other traditions without compromising your Catholic faith. Would you agree with that? I think Pope Francis's example, okay. right? He's yeah. meeting with other people and attending, you know, mm-hmm. praying with or alongside other people. Yeah. Yoga has always been sort of the syncretic practice that has bridged faith traditions. Mm-hmm. And so in Catholicism has liberally engaged other cultural traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, Very liberally mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yep. So, you know, there's a tension that we all live in. Yeah. But we can all agree that people who just think. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. <laughs> We can all we can all agree that Lululemon is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's guest is Andy Otto, author of the new book God Moments: Unexpected Encounters in the Ordinary. Welcome, Andy. Well, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be on this amazing new podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you. Do you uh, say that on all the podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> all of them. <laughs> so your book was published April 7th. So can you talk to us a little bit about what a God moment is and what the book is about? Yeah. Um, so in my um, experience with Ignatian spirituality, uh, you know, which really changed my perspective of who God is and how God meets us in the world, uh, I've just discovered that there are many ways that, um, you know, I'm not even reaching out to God. I'm not even seeking God. God's the one who takes the initiative. God's the one who's often kind of nudging me on the shoulder or appearing in a relationship or a particular experience or life moment. And so that's kind of what the foundation of the book is, because I start with talking about awareness that how can you have a relationship with God if you aren't aware of the multitude of ways that God becomes present in our everyday 
Yeah. So uh, speaking of God being present, one of the central uh, themes of the book, I think, is the incarnation. And the a phrase you use over and over again is uh, God with skin or giving God skin in different ways. So God, you know, really coming into the world through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So can you talk a little bit about that phrase, um, giving giving skin to God? Yeah, it started with this uh, Ronald Rollheiser quote from his book, The Holy Longing, where he talks about that we, you know, we need a God that has flesh, that's accessible. And and that's, you know, that's done very much through our own actions uh, and actions of love to one another. Um, so, you know, if a friend is, you know, I'm visiting my parents right now at, at home and they made me breakfast this morning. And I see that that is an act of love. And in many ways, they're they're being instruments of God. It's God who's serving me breakfast and using them. Um, I have a new child. And so it's not just changing her diaper and feeding a bottle. It's God caring for her and showing her love through me. Um, Teresa Vavla said that we're supposed to be Christ's hands and feet. So it's not a metaphor. Like we're literally extensions of Christ in the world. I tend to feel God's presence most in discernment of big decisions because it's you really feel the the movement of of the spirit and the emotions and feelings um and i i recognize god very much in that i was a jesuit for for two and a half years so i i made a discernment to enter religious life uh and then uh, throughout religious life i um you know had lots of experiences learned how to pray learned all about ignatian spirituality and then i felt these desires for for marriage, and then so with my spiritual director, I went through a, um, a even harder discernment to leave the society, um, and I actually um, I recognize God very much in that. Have you uh, discovered any different insights or additional insights, you know, in the vocation of marriage with Ignatian spirituality? Yeah, and you know, I'm and I'm grateful. My my wife is Jesuit educated, and actually, uh, when we were discerning to get married, we actually went through an Ignatian election process, as, as is in the exercises. We spoke to our spiritual directors. We really did a thorough discernment, and then we did the same thing when we decided to move from Boston to California to accept jobs out there. Um, and now we've actually just accepted uh, jobs working with the Jesuits in Atlanta, so we're moving back across the country. <laughs> um, but all these decisions that we've made, um, we, we've gone through a, a real discernment process uh, because we want God involved in our marriage. When we got married, we, we asked ourselves, like, how is our marriage going to give God skin? How is, how is our marriage going to bring God into the world uh, for others? You talked about making an Ignatian election. Could you uh, describe what that is and how that might apply, both in your own decision-making and how maybe our listeners' decision-making? Yeah, there there are different ways to do it. Um, basically, what my wife and I did was um, we have a decision before us. For In our case, it was there were two job possibilities, two different cities we could move to. And so we prayed with each of those decisions. Um we, uh, you know, I certainly, I used my imagination, and I um, went to Jesus in my imagination and I said, we're going to make this decision. What do you think about that? And then I kind of listen and see what Jesus has to say. And then I go to, back to Jesus again. Here's the other decision. What do you think about that? And so, and then I kind of, with God, sort of uh, analyze, pay attention to the feelings that I have for the decisions that are before me. 
that's that's one way. Another way that Ignatius gives is just making a list. What are the pros and cons of the decision that you have, the different choices? Um, and then I spoke with my spiritual director, who really helped me kind of sift through the the data, uh, the feelings, the, the conversations I had with my wife, the conversations I had with other people. Um, and so actually in my book, I have a whole chapter on discernment, and I have four different um, sort of elements to that. It's, it's being aware of your feelings. It's bringing all that to prayer. It's kind of experimenting, trying it on, you know, can you imagine yourself there? And then finally, um, uh, taking into account the community that you're going to be a part of, the community that you're going to find friendships in, that you're going to serve, and even the community that you'd be leaving. Um, so you, it's hard making decisions. It's not meant to be an easy process, but um, when you sort of go through the whole Ignatian process with God, uh, there's there's a sort of a, a, a good choice that starts to take shape, and then you just sort of have to take the leap of faith and commit to that decision, whether it's, you know, going to grad, choosing a grad school option or changing careers or moving or what have you. I just want to play like devil's advocate in terms of Ignatian spirituality. So whenever I encounter different spirituality writers um, in this vein, I get thrown back to uh, what my therapist and then later like my high school counselor and then my college counselor said, which is like, Ashley, like you have so much going for you. You're smart. Your parents have like given you all these things. Like the only burden in your life is going to be the burden of choice. And it's really, it's like a luxury. It's a luxury of choice that I have been given. Um, And a lot of Ignatian spirituality seems like a really great answer to that to that burden a good a good way to think through having more than one good option so that's that's great for me but like what is it what does it offer people who have l- less options well, i would say that's like a failure of the imagination to think that people don't have options okay totally yeah to think that we are the only we have diff- i mean we have different options we have different choices but i think I don't think it's too but difficult to consider. There is a reality that it is a privilege, right? Discern- discernment is a privilege because, you know, uh, not everyone can uh, just pick up and move across the country for a new job um, or have the means necessarily to do that. Um, but even even in Ignatian discernment, in the exercises, Ignatius has a, a place where he says that, you know, if, there's, if, you're, if you're in a situation that you can't change, um, you can still pray for the affirmate or the confirmation to stay in that state of life or that place you are. Um, and so that, uh, that I think, you know, for those who perhaps don't necessarily have that privilege of choice, they can pray for that confirmation that, you know, uh, either to stay in that same place or to maybe shift the way they approach their, their work or their situation. Mm-hmm. Is is there any specific advice you would give? i not to like pinpoint our audience, I know it's wide and diverse, but for people in their twenties, is there any specific advice that you give you would give for those those major life choices, whether it's choosing partner or choosing a city to live in, choosing a job? Yeah, you know, um, read your book is choosing- an acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> Just read the book. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, for no decision um, aside aside from marriage or something like that is permanent. No job has to be permanent, you know? So I think young adults tend to 
approach that like they've got to have everything figured out now. Um, it's okay to try something for a while and then move on to something different. Um, the most important thing is is what you're doing giving you joy and giving you peace. That's where you want to kind of kind of land up. No, I never uh, felt pigeonholed with my philosophy degree. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say, you you mention in your book a that there is actually an app for this, <laughs> which like I, the when I read that sentence, I was like, oh my gosh, my sister Jackie needs this app. So an can you talk app? about feels? <laughs> It's not on the App Store anymore, but no, there are similar... No, it sounded so great. <laughs> <laughs> there are similar apps, uh, if you just do, like, decision-making app, where it just, you put in your choices, you put in the criteria, and, it, and you put in how you feel about each one of them, and it weights your choices. Um, this is kind of Ignatius' is making a list, pros and cons kind of thing. And so we actually did that as part of our discernment to move to California, um, and it was helpful. It was part of the process. It wasn't the only process. I don't think you should just, that should be, I don't think that should be your only method for making a decision. My sister may or may not have chosen her husband based on a pro and con list. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not. All right. Um, so we like to finish our conversations with our guests by asking them uh, if they could canonize anyone right now, living or dead, Catholic or not, animated or live action, um, who would it be? Canonization used very loosely. Yeah, no, just like, you know. Yes, and I, I told I wish I was a part of those Disney conversations you had, because <laughs> I, I worked at Disney World for a while, and I love, I, I gotta say, my favorite character is Donald Duck, because he's got a good heart, he always has good intentions, but nothing ever works out for him, and he's got a temper, so when things don't work out for him, he goes, goes crazy, mm -hmm. but he's got a good heart, and I don't think people realize that. So I would probably say Donald Duck, because, you know, none of the saints were perfect, um, and neither is Donald Duck, you kind of have to dig deeper to find it. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking with us, Andy. Tell us where you can find the book, the podcast, the blog. Yeah, where people yeah, can the find podcast, you on Twitter. Blog and the book, um, GodInAllThings.com. Awesome. And are you on Twitter? Andy Otto. There we go. Great. Thanks, Andy, for joining us. Yeah, and it's been fun. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do we have up first, Zach? Well, as many people did, I went home for Easter Sunday, Easter weekend, um, which was really great. I was in the parish that I grew up in, um, and part of that was, I don't know, I feel like this is turning into, I, we this section of the show is turning into... We go to church with our significant others. Yeah, you guys do. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I mean, after Ashley's reaction, that's the only thing I'm going to talk about. So so uh, I left this out in our planning session because I said it would probably make Ashley vomit. And she wanted to have a real authentic <laughs> vomiting for the show. But uh, so me and my girlfriend went back to the parish that we met in, Aww. actually. And um, we didn't, you know, we sort of didn't talk through college in a couple of years and so reconnected in Brooklyn and started dating recently. But um, sort of my Catholic conversion was, uh, 
I had been confirmed in the eighth grade and was ready to give up on Catholicism. And then my friend invited me to a youth group uh, at our parish. And so I went to the teen mass and I was sitting on the left side of the church and this girl got up and went to lecture and I was like, wow. And I went home and I told my mom I found the girl I was going to marry. <gasps> oh, no. Lord. Oh, God. Ashley came. Tell me it's not Amanda. It's Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gross. I don't even know if we want to use that. but <laughs> No, we have to. That is so precious. Uh, I, thought, I thought when you said that you left it, I thought, oh, my gosh. I thought the Italian deacon was the thing that would make me vomit. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so... Um, so then over Easter, you guys went back yeah, to the so parish. Yeah, so over Easter, we were back in in, in the parish, um, and which was really great. Both of our families were sitting in between two pews together, um, and then, you know, there's this old Italian deacon who's been in the parish forever, Deacon Felix Azola, and he sees it together, and he just notices that we're together, and he, oh, this is good. And he's like, and you can, you know, get married and have lots of Catholic Babies. All the babies. Solid Catholic babies. And I we mean, were like, whoa, Deacon. Yeah. Have Catholic babies and Ashley will babysit. That's yeah. Clearly. Yes. Um, so, what, you know, that's obviously a happy feeling. But I think the thing that makes that a consolation is being in a physical space and feeling the peace of God and the joy of the, re- being able to like really experience the joy of the resurrection uh, was sort of integral to where I was and who I was with this Easter. That's beautiful. So yes, my I actually have a desolation this week. As I've mentioned on this show before, I love Unorthodox, the podcast from Tablet Magazine, more than most things in this world. And they were basically the inspiration for Jesuitical. And I got invited to be their Gentile of the Week this week. Um, which was really, which is awesome, which was really exciting, and yeah. I should have been like so excited, and I was. Be like if the Cleveland Cavaliers called me and told me to fill in <laughs> for the NBA Finals. Are you calling me a JV podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! Nope. Another another Zach sports reference. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So I on Tuesday I was going into their studios to record, and really like the week, but especially the last two days beforehand, I was extremely nervous and just like freaking out i both sunday and monday night i had like the exact same stress dream of like showing up to the studio and bombing it or like bombing the studio (laughs) sorry (laughs) bombing the interview (laughs) i'm sorry Um, and it was just like really i'm i have this like crippling imposters syndrome where like i really don't think i'm an expert in anything and so i just do not feel confident when I'm trying new things, like being interviewed by unorthodox. And I was just like, I was so the way I deal with this um, <clears throat> lack of confidence is like over preparing for everything. So the night before, I was like googling consolations and desolations in case they asked me what consolations and desolations mean and i wanted to have like a very good answer and so then i was reading about the rules of discernment and i was reading about the evil spirits and i was like oh my god the evil spirit is like so in my head right now i'm so anxious <laughs> but what's super and cool, frustrated about my anxiousness yeah but super cool that you like got into <laughs> through this got into spirituality and yeah. realizing that yeah but yeah so god is still at work even in your desolation <laughs> exactly which is which is Kind of, that's part of desolations, right? It's a situation where you feel like it's hard to find God or you're listening to voices that are um, leading you in the wrong direction, but you don't 
that's not the end of the story. You work through that, um, as I tried to, <laughs> at least. I'm sure you did great. And I didn't. I didn't bomb the studio or bomb the interview on Wait. Tuesday. <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. And you can hear. Well, I don't know if I want to advertise it until I've heard it first. <laughs> Ashley's and Ashley will be on the show this 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 Thursday, ep- their right? latest episode, which came out yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So I've also got a desolation this week. Um, so in a past few episodes, I've talked about sort of the places where I found God and all of these beautiful moments where my faith is coming alive in my personal life. But I'm also realizing that I'm at that age in my 20s where relationships that I developed and that really solidified in college, these friendships that I had, um, are sort of growing apart. Um, And it's making me a little anxious and sad because it's, you know, as Ashley was mentioning, you're not feeling God's presence in those moments. And it's you You question yourself because these are people who were with me when I was, you know, becoming an adult, going into my adult formation. So to kind of see them not be in my life as much is just kind of like, well, then who am I? If these people who were with me uh, for 10 years are no longer as involved, you know, so that's, yeah, that's my desolation. That's a, and that's a part of life. Yeah. Right? I think everyone's going to go through eventually if they haven't already gone through it. Yeah. The yeah, circle narrows. Jesuitical is brought to you by America Media and produced by Eloise Blondia this week because Wyatt is taking a well-deserved vacation. In Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup SJ. Adult supervision provided by Carrie Weber. And our logo is by Sean Tripoli. Please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your Android phone provides to you in terms of podcasts <laughs> if you think your mother would love this podcast grab her phone yes subscribe to us for her mm-hmm. i might have done that to my mother this weekend Same. <laughs> and then no my mother's actually been subscribing her all her friends for me which that's so, really sweet yeah thanks mom okay so everyone and your mother subscribe yes <laughs> And you can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show and send us your questions, feedback, and cocktail recipes. Actually, now we will take cocktail recipes. Lent is over, so now we can drink, and we need to get creative with our drinks, so please send us those recipes. Yes. yes. And we want to, we would take some consolation knowing that you were sharing the same drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We certainly would. Okay. So, and then also tell us where you found God this week. So, you know. We do the consolations and desolations on the show, and, uh, you know, if you're doing the same thing in your life... And, and, can, and this is us asking you, we're, we're asking you right now, Where what was your consolation this week? Yeah. What was your desolation this week? Yeah, really, do tell us. We want to know. Um, so send us all of that at jesuitical at americamedia.org. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next Friday. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis and Olga Segura. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Hallelujah.